Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley, and that's all today. We're doing a short for this month. I just wanted to uh, get something out here. And uh, this is one that I've been wanting to do for a while. So let's get into that in just a moment. It's going to be a little bit of Listen Like a Conlinger here. First, I want to thank our patrons over on Patreon. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash conlangery to support the show. That's the only way that uh, the so show is supported. It sort of keeps the hosting and everything sorted out. And uh, you can throw in any amount you want. If you donate a little bit more, you can get episodes early or you can get access to the scripts for these shorts before uh, they are recorded. So that's uh, nice. And you can comment on them too with the link. Um, haven't seen that happen, but it's a thing you can do. All right. So to get started, uh, it's been a long time since I've done Listen Like a Conlanger. These are my shorts where I talk about how you can draw inspiration from observing language around you. And so the topic here is one that has been brewing in my brain for some time. Uh, basically, ever since my daughter was babbling. And that's because this is an episode about child language. Uh, specifically, my older daughter Maria's language. The old, My older daughter, Maria, is coming close to four years old and has been through many of the major stages stages of first language acquisition. Uh, through that time, I tried to keep a few notes about the things she did along the way as potential inspiration. Uh, not stuff I have really done so much with yet, but things that have are giving me ideas for future languages. Now, a minor warning, child language is not necessarily like adult language. It's definitely good inspiration, but not necessarily a model for uh, language change or possible adult languages, if you're being naturalistic. Uh, this also isn't really intended to be an in-depth examination of child language acquisition, though that could be a future topic if listeners are in interested. Um, so... Let's start with a few things I observed in the early stages. Early child language acquisition is rife with all kinds of phonological and semantic oddities. Maria had some strange consonant harmonies right in the beginning, like between one and two. Diaper became biper, so the, the D assimilated to the, the place of the, the, B, the P and became a B. Uh, and catch became chatch, with a similar sort of assimilation going on there. Also, er, very early on, her vowel sounds were not stable. I recall that one of her first clear words, open, was initially pronounced several different ways, though often something like opine, something like that. It's a curious little vowel shift, and, you know, listening to it, you know, gives you an idea of, like, just how wild a vowel can go in terms of perception. I definitely want to research the, the constant harmony systems to see if something like the 
the biper is is something that can that does exist in some language and even if it doesn't i think that's that's like an interesting place to jump off of because you know why couldn't you have that sort of labial assimilation across consonants uh that would be uh an interesting thing to explore Around two years old, we had the classic confusion of pronouns. If she said, chat you, she was talking about me catching her. This is a really common situation for around two years old, mistaking the pronoun you as referring only to themselves rather than uh, any listener. It's also not something that car carries over as an adult, but it gets the mind thinking about alternatives. Can a language have no pronouns at all, or no pronouns that denote person? How would that work? Uh, you see, it's sort of like, I don't, I'm not aware of any language that doesn't encode person. I know of languages like Japanese, sometimes pronouns can be sort of freer in what per person they refer to, but there is a general sense of first, second, and third person. Um, and I know of languages merging first and second person, but having no pro, no personal pronouns at all, having no notion of person would be an interesting thing to explore for a language. Now that she is three and coming up on four, a lot of Rhea's language skills are maturing, but there are still really interesting things going on in her lexicon. Some of these things have to do with the way she perceives things differently from an adult. For instance, for Rhea, yesterday can mean any time in the past, during the same day or months ago. This is really mostly because she has very simple concepts of space and time. Distance within either isn't very meaningful to her. Just the other day, she was out on her bike riding around the neighborhood, and she said, I'm going to ride to Grammy's house. Uh, we live in Wisconsin. Grammy lives in West Virginia. That is going to be a very long bike ride on her little, short little bike with training wheels. But you get the idea, is, is uh, and she has the same sort of issue with time. She also is essentially speaking what what they, you would call a high-context language. Um, Maria will often come up to me and say, do it or do this, and be with me rather confused about what she wants me to do. Asking clarifying questions becomes like pulling teeth, as she will get frustrated and cry when I don't understand her. I think she is starting to realize that other people don't have the same knowledge as her. Uh, but still, it can get you thinking about just how little information can be conveyed in a message when knowledge is assumed. If your language is spoken by a small community, what information do they leave out as understood? Is there something in your world so obvious that it's rarely mentioned? Another lexical thing. Uh, Maria doesn't quite know what because means. Uh, she understands that it links sentences together, and sometimes she gets that it is about causality. Uh, but sometimes she flips the cause and effect, like saying, he's hungry because I'm feeding him. 
or she says something where I'm not sure what is actually supposed to be the cause. For instance, she might say something like, he's Todd because he's a boy, uh, referring to one of her baby dolls, uh, which happens to be modeled as a girl, but the identities of baby dolls are very, very fluid, and sometimes Daddy does an accidental misgendering. But when she says that, I don't know if she is actually sort of relating it to, oh, he's a boy and that causes him to have a name like Todd, or if she is doing her flipping the causality and somehow thinking that his name or his identity makes him a boy. Uh, uh, I really do want to try a language where because is ambiguous in this way, though. I don't know how it will work out. I'm sure there, that we, we could look at natural language examples. If anybody has any anadus, please let me know, because that would be an interesting thing. Um, I think it would need a lot of disambiguation strategies to be uh, functional. Finally, there is at least one interesting morphological difference I've noticed. Uh, Maria has a tendency to analyze certain phrasal verbs as single words. Initially, I heard examples like pick up me, which could have just been that she wasn't yet idiomatically breaking up verbs with light objects. Uh, for non-natives, the more common adult phrasing would be pick me up, because me being a single-syllable word, uh, it can be put before up, whereas a heavier object like the table, pick up the table, you can't necessarily, well, pick the table up. It has to be like, pick up the table that I saw yesterday. That one, you would not be able to put the up at the end. But something like me, it's like almost like, it's not ungrammatical to say pick up me, but it's very strange to my ear. But later, I saw clearer examples of her really taking these as single words. She very frequently says something like, I'm take care of my babies. This seems to be a genuine real reanalysis of take care of, as I have also heard take care of in the past tense. One other word that I heard the phenomenon is, is make sure-ing. From that idea, you can make sort of an anti-trigetisling, where instead of phrasal verbs spinning off semi-regular verbal satellites, they just get reanalyzed as single words, and the independent meanings of the light verbs and prepositions are just forgotten. Wouldn't that be cool? There are also the, the somewhat random lexical errors that crop up. One that I suspect is fairly common is that she at one point said potato to mean both potato and tomato. Nowadays, the most interesting one that I see is uh, that she says even a got instead of forgot. Uh, I'm guessing this may have come from hearing the, the phrase even forgot very frequently, which could point to like different ways that words could mutate in that way with common phrases getting all stuck together and stuff like that. As I was writing this short, I reached out on Twitter, uh, where you can follow the show, 
uh, at Conlangery, uh, for Conlanger parents to share their own inspirations from their children. Um, Pete Bleakley wrote, My son was 19 months old and an advanced speaker when my daughter was born. At first he elided a syllable in her name because he couldn't yet say L. This made me realize that Lot, Kanga Thiagon for father, was unlikely to be a child's word. So I made it a formal word, usually used for other people's fathers, and created Ada as a familiar term. So that's an interesting thing, is, is for Pete, it's more that his child reminded him sort of of something that is natural. Um, just to, to um, clarify here, like um, it's pretty universal for very early syllables in, from babbling to become informal terms for parents. Ma, ba, pa, da, na. Sometimes you get other vowels like no, nu. Um, so that's uh, it's sort of reminding them of what actually tends to happen. Okay, David Peterson wrote: Meridian still has a lingering preference for head initial ordering with noun adjective. The latest is head for for forehead. She is almost four, totally wild. So. Head for instead of forehead. That's interesting that she she does that, even though certainly she's heard the word forehead and is mutating it this way. That's another like sort of interesting thing that can be like a an inspiration to you. Just get your head thinking in a different way. Just like uh, with with uh, the way that Maria was reanalyzing these words as as single. Uh, words, you know, the, the phrasal verbs as single words is, it's, it's a, definitely an interesting thing. Um, David also mentioned that, um, Meridian does some of the things that he had already put into Trigetisling, but, you know, that's, uh, he's proud of himself there. Uh, so if you have very young children and you're a conlinger, I hope you're listening to what they say, and trying to take some notes. Heck, if you are frequently child adjacent, you should take notes. An aunt or uncle may be in a better position to do something immediately with this than the actual parents, who are going to be very busy for a few years. Um, uh, another thing that might come out of observing child language, possibly also from looking into child language a little bit more would be a baby lang, a con lang designed around child language or to imitate child language. Uh, usually baby langs that I have seen are focused on early phonological development. Simple syllables, mostly bilabial consonants and few vowels. Um, but if you just pick a stage in child language acquisition, you could explore all kinds of developments. Uh, you know, like we said, no pronouns, things like limits to the syntax, vague and uncertain time expressions, all kinds of things that you can learn about that will, um, that could 
go in all kinds of different directions. Um, so there's a lot of interesting ideas to explore. But that's about it for me in terms of uh, this particular short. Uh, I hope that you all enjoyed it, and I hope that anyone out there who is regularly listening to children talking will have a little closer listen and think, can this help me with my conlanging? With all of that said, I'm going to end it with happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. Conlangery is supported by our listeners. Thank you to Margaret Ransdell Green, Graham Hill, Ezekiel Fordsmender, and all our patrons who support us at patreon.com slash conlangery. Conlangery is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike license. You are free to use or adapt our work for any non-commercial purpose as long as you credit Conlangery Podcast and release any derivative works under the same license. Web space for Conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society. Our site was designed by Bianca Richards, and our theme music is by Null Device.